Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's Light the Tower. Your daily look around the world of sports. With Hall of Fame broadcaster and voice of the Texas Longhorns, Craig Way. And Horns 24-7 insider, Jeff Howe. On your live, local, and independent home for sports talk in Austin, The Horn. a vacation time of year, isn't it? Good morning. Welcome to Light the Tower. On the Horn, 104.9, 101.9, and AM 1260. Uh, of course, you can hear us online at hornfm.com. We're streaming live, as always, on the Horn app. My name is Craig Way. Glad to have you with us. Jeff Howell is finishing up his vacation this weekend. He will be back on Monday. Uh, after the program today, I will embark on mine. A guy who is not vacation, who's behind the glass, is our producer, Cameron Parker, who is regaling you there with the Go-Go's and vacation. I can tell you right now, Cam, right now, my wife Linda is sitting there and they're bobbing her head back and forth. <laughs> she always liked the Go-Go's when we were dating the first time, uh, low those many years ago. Uh, how you doing this morning? Greg, I'm doing well. Um, I'm excited for my vacation, but I have a... When little, is yours? Probably late July. Okay. After after we return from our stuff. And yeah, I want to make sure it's staggered because we have some... I'll be filling in for Zay next week, so I want to make sure you know we have people taking their vacation, so I want to make sure we stagger it, you know? You know, it's it, it's it's kind of funny. I, I, I say this, and I could be completely dead wrong about this, but... Uh, it, this year, perhaps more than any other, seems to uh, be more 
in line with several of our staff taking vacation right around the same time, more so than it ever has before. Um, Normally, some guys go early in June, and some guys go late July, early August. But um, I I think this year, um, more so than others, we're, we're seeing more guys take theirs right around the uh, time right now, late June and into and inclusive of the 4th of July holiday. Now, it's always been that way for me because I really don't have a choice. Uh, yeah. I, I, I don't want to, I don't mean to make that sound like it's a, it's a bad thing. Um, so I, I, I don't, I don't uh, mean to make that sound like that, but that's what I've been used to. My family's been used to that for 35 years, uh, re- really the last 30 years. Uh, that starting from late June, the end of the academic and athletic school year, uh, up to right before Big 12 football media days, that's my one window, really, to take a break to get out. Because the rest of the time, it's 11 months, and it's a lot of seven-day weeks, especially where basketball and baseball are concerned. So uh, it's my one opportunity, really and truly. So I will be be gone uh, for two weeks and a couple of days, and then back for the uh, for Big 12 football media days there in July, and then I'm ready to go for the next 11 months. So it'll be okay. There you go. Right, crank it back up and get it back going. To, somebody on Specs text line said, uh, "Damn, the Colonel must be exhausted." No, 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 no. We hit the uh, uh, the the music. If if it was until I actually started speaking words, then okay, yeah, maybe maybe the plank position was being held a little longer by Colonel Craig Flowers. Uh, he does that until usually we start talking or something, or at least until the music changes the rhythm beat. So hopefully, hopefully he's okay there. But you know what? The colonel's in great shape. So if that was the case, I'm sure he didn't mind holding it an extra minute and a half or something like that. It wound up doing that. Our Specs text line is open at 337-3776-512-337-3776. We will give away another copy of Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine on the show Today, we started doing it on Wednesday when we had Greg Tepper, the managing editor, on, and when we got our shipment. Um, so uh, we'll uh, we'll be giving away uh, a copy on the show starting Monday. Uh, you can win a copy. There will be details uh, on, uh, on the website, uh, on the uh, page at hornfm.com on how you could win a copy online. Uh, for Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine, the new 2023 edition. But we are giving away one copy uh, a day on the show. We're doing that as well, and we will do that during uh, the course of this program. Coming up in a few minutes, our our good friend Ty Harrington. You hear him a lot with uh, Bucky and Aaron uh, analyzing college baseball and doing the scene there. And, of course, he worked, I think, close to 20 of our broadcasts this year. Ty was on with us uh, working college baseball with us this year as one of our analysts. Uh, Ty will join us to uh, to recap that epic, absolutely epic uh, College World Series bracket championship game last night, winner-take-all thing between LSU and Wake Forest that went 11 innings with LSU uh, winning it on the two-run homer uh, by Tommy White. So uh, he'll uh, he'll join us to talk about that. Um, We do have Inconceivable. It is Friday, Cam. You know what Friday means on Inconceivable. Got to reach up and grab that low. Well, not even reach up, just you know, maybe reach outwards, yeah. grab that low-hanging fruit. It's pretty low-hanging today. Uh, uh, we're talking about Uh-oh. Florida Man, sir. We've got a good one. We've got a classic Florida. And then there's something kind of creepy 
And it doesn't have to do with a person, but it has to do with Florida. And we'll get to that uh, as part of our uh, inconceivable. Then, looking forward to this, uh, the return of the music survey in the 11 o'clock hour. We want to make sure we get everybody covered in the building first before we branch out. So, Ty Henderson, the producer for the morning program for Bucky and Aaron, will join us uh, to do to take part in the music survey. Uh, Cam is going to do. We're going to do it. We're going to try to do this. In fact, we will do this before you leave town on your vacation. Before this month is done, so Cameron will take the uh, music survey when the month progresses as well. So, so we'll look forward uh, to doing that. Uh, our specs text line open five one two three three seven three seven seven six five one two. Three three seven three seven seven six. Jeff Mudd on the on the Specs text line says Craig taking a vacation is like Luke Gehrig calling in sick. Uh, now I, I it's that one. The people who've been listening to the program for years. They've done uh, going back uh, when it was over at uh, iHeart as well. When it was over there, the people who have listened to the show for years when it was on in the afternoons over there and then in the middays here understand that's the one slot. It's that one availability uh, when it, when I'm gone, and then you you've got me for the uh, the remaining uh, eleven months plus of the calendar year. So that's the one time. So uh, it'll be the it'll be the annual trip uh, going back uh, east to uh, my home state, uh, North Carolina. Uh, going to going to take in a little more of the uh, the totality of the state than normal. Uh, Linda and I are going to spend a little time in the mountains up around Asheville, and then we'll cruise through. Nice. The, my hometown of Greensboro, and then we'll be down at the beach like I always do down there along the coast. Cause There's some great golf in Nashville. Yes, there is. And great golf at, at, in the Myrtle oh, Beach yeah. area, as you know. Um, so I checked the weather app yesterday or the day before. Whenever it was over 100, I looked at Charlotte, and it was yeah. 66 degrees. I sent my friends a nice. text like, are you kidding me, guys? It's 50 degrees difference. <laughs> that's that's nice there. Uh, I mean, CB said I thought it was on the wrong station. CB, you, you've listened to the show long enough. We always bang back with vacation. And there's another tune we hit later in the program that we always do. Uh, somebody says you should stop by Winston-Salem, says Longhorn Bear, and get Rhett Louder's signature. He'll be on uh, Major League team in a year or two what a ball game last night yeah he pitched very well as did Paul Skeens it was just going to come down to who could take advantage of, of a bullpen mistake and that's what happened um uh, Victor says uh, like you said yesterday vacations help you recoup uh, refresh and regain the drive that you have I'm counting on it 58 days till I go on a cruise see there you go Victor that's what I'm talking about gambling fanatic says where do they sell the Dave Campbell magazines H-E-B Barnes and Noble that's where they have historically done it. Uh, HEB, I think, has had it. Um, maybe, Barnes and Noble is always a good one. Yeah, Barnes and Noble. You, you, hard to go wrong with that. Uh, also, I think they're big uh, Walmart people with that. So that's another possibility. Somebody else is taking my son to Wrigley Field to see the Cubs Phillies next week. Our first time to the park. Any tips? Big fan of the show. You know, I've been to Wrigley Field one time. One time, and it was 1986. I was 26 years old. That's the, or I wasn't quite 26. I was still 25. That's the last time I've been to Wrigley. Wow! It just never worked out. I went to Guaranteed Rate Field uh, six years ago when Not my even son when Jason was there. You didn't uh, go? He played that day. Okay. I didn't know Keith Moreland at the time. Okay. In fact, this is an interesting story. I saw Keith Moreland uh, play twice that year on one baseball trip that I took with a buddy, and we went 
uh, we went to Chicago, we went to Wrigley, but we also went to Montreal. And we saw the Cubs play the Expos. And all I remembered about the game was it was a Sunday afternoon game at Olympic Stadium. And the tickets that that I bought, uh, that my friend and I bought, were down the left field line. We could almost reach out and touch the left field foul pole. We were that close to it, sitting right there. And I remember the Cubs won 2-1, to one, but I didn't remember anything else about it. I went back in under baseball reference, looked it up. Keith Moreland hit a home run in that game. And wow. I asked him about, about it years later. He said, oh, yeah, so-and-so hung a 3-2 slider to me or something like that, and he hit a home run in that game. So, yeah, so there's there's uh, some of that. So it's been a long time since I've been to Wrigley, but I've heard all the great stuff of, you know, hang out around Wrigleyville, and there's lots of uh, watering holes and, and – uh, and eating establishes. <laughs> Somebody said I'm the James Brown of Austin sports media. I just that's that one slot where I'll take the vacation there. Hey, our good friend Tom McKay says he's headed out for game two and three in the most disgusting city in the country, and I'm not going to New York. <laughs> okay, uh, day drinker. It says my vacation started today uh, for eleven days. I'll be sunburnt and waterlogged. Yeah, I understand that. And uh, Carolina Sam says, have a great vacation in her home state. I know you'll get some great Carolina barbecue. Oh, yeah, that's always on the list. So so uh, we'll do that. Before we um, get uh, Ty on the program, I want to get your thoughts on the NBA draft last night because uh, that was certainly the other huge headliner uh, moments. You know, the, the most um, unanticipated in terms of suspense about the number one pick, I think, mm-hmm. in NBA draft yep. history happened last night with Victor Wimbayana. Everybody knew he, the Spurs were going to take him. He talked about it in the pre-draft news conferences and stuff there, how much he loved San Antonio and everything. So uh, so that was that was all completely expected. What, what else captured your attention about the NBA draft last night? Well, going into it, I mean, we, we knew Webb and Yama was going to go to San Antonio. And first off, congrats to Spurs fans across the Absolutely. State. Big watch party last yeah. night. Yeah. I thought picks, and I read picks 2 through 58 were all on the table. I thought we were going to see a lot of big trades. I thought maybe we'd see Zion get dealt, Dame get dealt. There was only two trades that put teams outside the first round. Not a lot of chaos. Not a lot happened. It went went pretty smooth. Dallas made a trade with the Oklahoma City Thunder that sent that sent uh, Bertans to OKC. Mavs got Derek Lively, so not a lot, not a lot happened. I like what Houston did. Um, they got uh, the the Amen Thompson kid at number yep. four, and they also got Cam Whitmore from Villanova, Craig, who he was projected five or six. He fell all the way to the twenties. Yeah, that that might be a bargain pick for them. Yeah. I, I I heard. Uh, uh, Ty Henderson, who, again, he's going to be doing the music survey at 11 o'clock. I heard him tell Bucky and Aaron that the stuff he read was that he apparently didn't have real good workouts yeah. during the deal, he, during uh, combine and getting ready for the draft. There was a lot more to be desired, I read as well, from his pre-draft interviews and his workouts. Um, you know, they, He had some issues at Villanova where the team's plus-minus rating was better with him off the floor. Yeah which is not ideal for a kid who's supposed to be a lottery pick. Right. Um, he's a very high-usage player. I believe his assist percentage was like 6% over the year. So he's a, a guy that likes to have the ball a lot in his hands, which may not work well with what Houston's current roster is. But to get him at number 20, he's a guy that, you know, you have a couple games where he goes off, you could eventually maybe even deal him, you know, this year or next year on his rookie contract. But I think for the value, that's a really good value pick for where he was at number 20. Somebody asking, did you see the drama on the number two pick? Drama as in? 
Well, I can tell you what, um, my Charlotte Hornet friends fans were not happy with uh, Michael Jordan's pick last night. Craig, have you ever heard of an owner who's selling the team and on his way out gets the make? I still own the team, so I'm going to make the the pick. I wonder, do you think like maybe like Brandon Miller's dad maybe shot MJ a dirty look in Chicago back in the eighties and Jordan was like, I'm just gonna draft this kid in just exact revenge on Charlotte because hey, as much as I love MJ the basketball player, he's my goat. He is an awful owner. <laughs> I mean the draft picks, the Hornets and the Bobcats have made since going back to Adam Morrison and Sean May, and it just gets worse and worse. MKG and now I mean Brandon Miller I think he's going to be a great player, but I thought Scoot Henderson was obviously the second best player in the draft. And I know there's concerns about, well, you know, you already have LaMelo Ball. You don't want another ball handler. I think you go by the rule of thumb is just draft the best player and figure it out later. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, so, anyway, there's the NBA draft, and you want to, uh, they tell us a drama on the number two pick there. Uh, and, uh, and it's Brandon Mill, obviously, going to, uh, going to Charlotte. So, uh, we'll uh, we'll get into some more of that. Obviously, uh, like I said here, uh, there's there's uh, that to discuss. Um, uh, there'll be some football elements. We do have uh, we'll have a flex thirty update. Yesterday, I did the preseason uh, prognostication, if you will, from uh, our friends at Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine on districts twenty five six A and twelve six A, and uh, we'll hit twenty six six A this morning. And uh, some 5A as well. So that is coming up. But uh, we do want to go to the Vaqueros Cafe and Cantina Hotline and talk about the and, – and, and I, I, again, the way I describe it and the way many describe it is just epic, uh, that uh, college baseball game last night. And as somebody said on the Specs text line, last night was some of the best pitching you'll ever see at any level. And I coached for 44 years was one of the things you call it. So – that's Coach Wise. So, Coach, uh, thanks uh, for that. Speaking of coaches, joining us on the Vaqueros Cafe and Cantina Hotline, our friend, the coach, for some 20 years there at uh, Texas State and, of course, won the JUCO national title at Northeast Texas and uh, has been uh, working TV and radio, both for Texas State and then on our Longhorn radio broadcast. Ty Harrington joins us right now. Uh, how are you this morning? And, and by the way, do you agree with that uh, that text uh, there from Coach Wise who said some of the best pitching you'll ever see at any level? I have a feeling you, you would agree with that. I'm going to wholeheartedly agree. And, and mind you, I had a front row seat with Greg Swindell for three years um, and watched him you know, do some of the most incredible pitching I'd ever seen before as well. And um, I just – you know, and, and, and Zeke would have fit just fine in that game last night as well. But I, I, I'm going to tell you, I, you know, more times than not, the hype of something doesn't always live up to it, right? We, in our minds, um, we, as media, it gets hyped up. Sometimes events like that don't live up to it. Um, last night, the two driving forces behind the hype were on the mound, and two guys you're going to see, who knows how shortly you might see those two competing again in a major league setting against each other. But the to see it all live up to what we thought was going to happen because those two guys were so good and so much fun to watch. And just the, the, from a pitching perspective, the game was clean. The defense behind it was, was just, you know, unbelievable. And, and it just – to watch two young 
college pitchers with that kind of command, that kind of velo, that kind of secondary. I mean, it was just it was a, it was a lot of fun to watch. And I, and I told a friend of mine before, and, and Craig, you and I talked about it briefly. Got a guy, a buddy of mine, says, "What do you think about the game?" And I said, "Well, don't blink." Yeah. It's going to be. It might be over before the sun goes down. No doubt, a- absolutely. And um, I saw the NCAA tweeted this out last night, and I'm curious to get your thoughts on this. Um, that uh, it said, "Understand, we've got a few games left." It, that that's obviously if the national championship series between Florida and LSU goes the distance, goes to a third and decisive game, and we'll talk more about that coming up. But uh, it said. Um, is this the best college World Series ever? Now, ever is a pretty uh, is is a pretty strong term, and and the series started in 1948 with just basically four teams in it, and there's been some incredible moments in the Warren Morris walk off home run, and and uh, even two years ago, the uh, forcing the if necessary game by the Longhorns. Uh, when when Ivan Melendez hit the home run through the rain, uh, you know those kinds of things. There's there's moments that fix in folks's my in, in folks' minds about what uh, about what the College World Series has meant and some of the drama and Coastal Carolina winning and uh, Vanderbilt finally winning its first and Virginia. I just think of those past few years. Fresno State they, to this point the only number four seed to win one. Uh, I don't know if. If you can make a definitive call on that and say it's the best ever, uh, but I'll get your thoughts on a tie, and I think it's certainly probably a top five, if not even higher than that. I think every – like if you're a Vanderbilt fan, that Vanderbilt first national title is going to be your favorite or most entertaining, right? And if you're yeah. a Longhorn, and, you know, every time we a national championship has been won, you know, to me in, in 85 was such a, uh, unbelievable. We didn't win that year, but we were in the finals, but the number of big leaguers that were involved in that, you know, in that series. And so you could go on and on, but yes, Craig, I answered question is the most entertaining. Um, and probably one of the more clean played and just, you know, the talent on display and I mean, yes, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to jump in there. It's safe for us. It's safe for us to say top five, right? Because then, yeah. you know, you get to your own choice as to what you think number one is and what that means to you. But the games have just been unreal. Even the games that were separated by a handful of runs, they were close early or through the majority of the game. They could have gone, you know, one way or another. And it has been. It's just a reminder. You don't need a reminder. I don't need a reminder. But sometimes fans need a reminder just how crazy and how much fun and how beautiful college baseball is today and how exciting it is and, and how riveting it is. And just to keep you on the edge of your seats, I can't, I can't wait to see what the viewership was for last night. I mean, I, I just – I mean, I, I – and, you know, you, you are a part of college baseball and – and making it uh, your pieces of what makes it so great today as well. And, and to, to watch this on TV and to, I did both. I watched it. I listened to it on radio as well. And it just, just it was, I felt like I was watching game seven of the, of the world series of, you know, whichever major league team you've pulled for. And, uh, and it was just, to me, it was, it, the whole series has been a lot of fun. I think ESPN has done an unbelievable job. Um, uh, you know, I think the, um, the commentating, the camera, everything about it. Um, I think we're watching big league 
uh, baseball at the collegiate level. Yeah, uh, and uh, our friend Stoner on the Specs text line said the defense last night was tremendous. You think about the play at the plate uh, there to cut down the run for Wake Forest. Let, let me also say this, too, and, and you and I were texting about this last night, uh, and I know there's a sliding scale here involved, but I guess the scale involves the great defense played by uh, the first baseman and, at the same time, the responsibility on the hitter to lay down a competitive bunt because you and I have talked about this on the air before. If properly executed, and those are the key words, properly executed, a safety squeeze is almost indefensible. Is it not? If you do if you do it right, I mean you really almost have to pull off a wheel play in perfect order to do it. Well, LSU didn't have to do it because it got it got a pretty fortuitous hop. Uh but even so uh, even so, it's a, it's a difficult play to make. So I give credit to the Tigers for making the play. Uh, so yes, and uh, look, Trey Morgan is a tremendous athlete. You know, he's yes. played left field, he's played right field, he's played first base. Um, he's a tremendous athlete and a great defender of the baseball because they do it. They look if he was right-handed, he could go play shortstop and second base as well. And he he, it's a design play. I mean, again. Everybody was – the swings all night long were so defensive. Like, they were the, – the hitters were in there just trying to survive. They weren't in there trying to flourish. They were in there trying to survive off those arms. And so when you got that first and third, you, you knew something was coming. And if you watch the replay, it, and it's a play that a lot of us have used, and really we had to bring it into play because of Augie. When Augie went to the safety squeeze and brought it to Texas, so you wanted to go to defend it. We had to try to find as opposing coaches ways to defend it. And if you watch, when as soon as they hit the belt in their set position, you see Trey Morgan come out of first base. All he all he was trying to do was make sure the runner stayed, and then he was at a break at that point in time. He got to the bottom, broke, and then got an aggressive approach to it. So he had a little bit of a head start. Uh, and it's a design momentum to go in there to try to cut that play down because, as you mentioned, if you execute it, it is almost indefensible or it's just so hard of a play that your percentages of getting it out like they did last night, I, I don't know what that percentage would be, but it's low, Yeah. Um, to, to, to be honest with you. And I, I thought at that point in time it's what they had to do as well to score. I mean, I thought it was, you know, the, the perfect time, the perfect play. I mean, it just – it was just that kind of game that it was going to take some type of defensive play or some type of great offensive play to decide it, and both of them came out on LSU's side. Yeah, and, and just one more uh, thought on the on the Trey Morgan thing. Like I said, I'm not putting it all on the bunt itself that it has to be better than that, but it would take the way that Morgan broke on the ball, it would almost take if such a perfect – if such a thing can be described, a perfect bunt or one that has – two or three little bitty hops instead of the the one hop that hopped into his glove. It, it, it took a fortuitous hop for him there to be able to – and even then he's got to flip it pretty quickly because I was watching a, a yeah. major league game. I was watching Dodgers-Angels the other night, and they defended a bump pretty well on a guy coming down the line, and the pitcher threw and would have had him out at the plate, but he, he flipped it a little too high. So, I mean, it's got to take – different parts executed not only the first baseman Morgan in this case fielding it but then being able to make the proper flip to the plate to get the out well and the other part of that would be yes yes if he could have gotten where you really want to bunt the ball credit is off the end of the bat 
Yeah. So if you deaden it off the end of the bat, it doesn't go very far. But <laughs> the arms those guys were having to bunt off of last night, I mean, you know, you'll hear people say you got to be able to do the fundamentals of the game. Oh, my goodness, when you're trying to face 101, 102, and, and, here the, and you saw this too, 88 and 89-mile-an-hour breakers? Yeah. So that used to be the below you were looking on fastballs. And having to bunt off, you're just doing the best you can to get that thing, you know, into play to the right side and make them make that play. Ideally, as you mentioned, a couple of hops, yes, off the end of the bat would have deadened it and put the ball in between the catcher and the first baseman. They would not have been able to make that play, you know, no doubt about it. But, but again, you know, you're doing everything you can just to get that bunt in play in that moment towards the right side. No, no question about it. Uh, visiting with Ty Harrington, talking about uh, last night's uh, incredible game, and uh, Tommy White hits the home run, uh, the the two run homer, and 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 by the way, Manassi's that first pitch. Obviously, he's trying to get one uh, past him there, but that's also the hitter being ready on that one because it's elevated enough where he could turn on it uh, in a ballpark which this year has seen uh, you know not a lot of home runs because of the way the wind plays in that ballpark, but Manassi's pitch was up a little bit, and, and Tommy White was ready for it. Well, he caught a, he caught a get-me-over breaker slider, and um, you know they just made the change. Um, I think he, you know, you and I were texting back and forth. I, I didn't realize at the time when I first said, you know, when Cruz got to first base and, and, and they were making a change, I was like, well, maybe they need to start Cruz up because it's – you know, nobody had an answer offensively, right? And then I looked up and I was like, wait, White's up next. And that's why I texted you and I said, they got to let him hit, right? And you were like, by the time you got yep out of your phone, I think the ball was landing uh, in the in the bleachers. But, um, yeah, it was a get-me-over slider. And it just stuck in the middle of the plate. And he's so strong. I mean, he just, you know, whatever win was even going to be out there. The ball actually carried a little bit to left later as the game went on, actually. They hit a fly ball. Um, Wake did that got you know maybe to the warning track area, and uh, but he just you know he was going to hit it through just about whatever wind was was out there, and uh, I, you know I mean again it was an epic an epic game. I, I, I hope that the next two or three games whatever that might be um, follow suit. You know I mean I, and and or and continue to be so exciting as what you know these have been. But again last night when you watch. I just marvel at the idea when you see those two guys on the mound and, you know, most guys nowadays that throw with velo and you and I have talked about this before, how much velo has become part of the game and how guys train for it. They spend the exhausting amount of time and effort in these pitching labs and in all over trying to create velo spin rates, understanding the biomechanics along with the mechanics of being able to apply force behind the ball long enough to create velo and the spin rates, but to watch Paul Skeens and Louder last night carry that ball to the outer half of the plate, the first base side of the plate, the extension side against right-handed hitters was just remarkable and fun. When, when Skeens had to just really dart a ball on the outer half and the umpire was helping him a little bit on that, you know, maybe a ball or two off the plate, he could do it. When he had to dial it up, you know, we're talking about a 6'4", 6'6", guy they just took up pitching not terribly long ago, and it's just, I mean, he just reaches out there and rips a, a hundred on the outer half where, you know, nowadays when guys are, are, are ripping their breakers and their fastballs, 
Well, they're getting into three ball counts every time, right? And you, you and I talk about it when we're doing the broadcast. Big misses. Yeah. You know, you'll watch those guys have big misses, spike balls in the dirt, and a lot of times, a lot of power guys will miss arm side, and uh, you know, which is a third base if you're a right-handed pitcher, third base side of the plate, they'll miss high and 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 tight on that to a right-handed hitter, and then rip a breaker, they'll pull it, you know, over to the left-handed side of the box down in the dirt. Guys that you know, high velo guys, but. There was so much finesse involved in that velo last night. Yeah. There was so much finesse involved in, in those pitches. It was just – it was so much fun and, and unreal to watch. Well, and, and Ty, it's you've heard me, I think, refer to this before. I call those, which we're talking about, about the big misses, non-believable pitches. And what I mean by that is yeah. the batter doesn't believe it's going to be a strike, so he has no trouble laying off – of the pitch. Some of the best pitchers are not only the ones with uh, lightning fast fastballs like Skeens or or, or uh, just a wipeout slider, but guys who can throw the believable pitch that's still out of the strike zone and get somebody to chase it. And and that's one of the things that Skeens uh, does very well. Uh, by the way, the, the uh, text exchange between Ty and I happened right when um, Cruz got on first base. Ty texts me and says, with wide up, are they going to let him swing? This was right after I'd said that uh, Coach Walter would wait for us. Uh, Walter now spending his chip with Manassi. And then you said, with wide up, they got to let him yeah. swing? And I said, uh, yes, I think Johnson lets him swing. <laughs> and I had just hit send, and he crushes it. And then I followed up, and I said, and that's why, <laughs> because because of that. Uh, with that. All right, so in looking at this national championship series, um, uh, it, how much of an advantage does Florida have? Because initially, your first blush, I think, response to say, well, LSU uh, you know, now is the hottest team. They've taken Wake Forest spot as the hottest team. Yep, Florida hasn't dropped a game, and – LSU had to spend schemes last night, and uh, they also had to pitch Griffin Herring <clears throat> uh, or Hurd uh, last night. So uh, I, I'm assuming it's going to be Ty Floyd for them uh, against Florida. But how much of an advantage does Florida accrue here having a couple of days rest and being able to roll it right back to the start? I think, it's a, I think it is a, an advantage. I think if you look at the, the statistical weight, of both of these teams, they're very similar, Craig. I mean, both of them are, you know, 138, 136 home run teams. Both of them, you know, now, you know, Florida is not quite as offensive, even though, you know, they've got, you know, somewhere around 200, both teams, 275, 76 extra base hits. But LSU has a little bit of a, a difference, in my opinion, had everything been level, right? If they'd have gone into this two out of three, with both pitching staffs equal, I think LSU would have had an advantage statistically speaking because when you dig in there and you start looking at their slugging percentage, LSU's is it's 556. But where they differentiate themselves to me from Florida is their free base strikeout ratio is unreal. Now, what I mean by that is, you know, if you look at LSU, they've got 555 punchouts offensively, but they've got 524 free bases. Now, that's a significant difference on base percentage. That's a 38%. You know, I think they're at 438 on their own base percentage where Florida is 392. That's different. I mean, that's a, that's a base runner every inning or every other inning difference probably or something similar to that. And so to me, they would have had 
I think, some type of an advantage. But I think you're right in, in, in insinuating in that question that Florida probably has an advantage now because their rotation uh, is set up for them. Their bullpen is not exhausted and tired. Um, and so, you know, LSU's, even though I believe their bullpen has more confidence right now than what they had coming into the World Series because of the job they've had, heroic, heroic bullpen performances from Riley and, and Hurd and Atrafel. And so uh, they, they, they've gained confidence, you know, through this. But, yes, I do think there's an advantage for Florida because they're fresh. This time of year to be fresh could, could pay a difference for Florida and moving forward. Now, having said that, who's got the momentum? I don't think there's any question that you would have to choose the Bayou Bengals right now um, as to having some momentum from what they've been able to accomplish, having to go through Wake, who I thought probably from top to bottom was the best overall completed team, pitching and hitting an offense and defense in all segments of the game. And so they've got a lot of confidence right now, and they've got a lot going on. I mean, obviously, you know this as good as anybody. There's so many – there's probably no telling how many airplanes flying into <laughs> Omaha again right now with more fans. They're getting reloaded on beer, jello shots, and, and jambalaya because they just gained three more days in, in Omaha, Nebraska. No doubt about it. By the way, this is just my take on it. If Florida is to win this national championship – they better win game one, because if this, if even if they scramble and win game two, then uh, obviously you're looking at Skeens in game three. If you win game one, maybe you got them on the ropes and have a shot to finish them in game two. But I, I think the Gators better win game one if they're going to have a, 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 you know, if they're if they are to win this national title, I think a big piece of it will be taking game one in this series. Yeah, that's a great point, Craig. I, I agree with you 100. percent I mean, I. I, you know, Skeens could come back. It would be his fourth day yeah, on Monday. So he could come back, whether it's relief or whether they try to get, you know, 75 pitches out of him. He's so physical that, I, you know, and so emotionally tough-minded. Um, you would, you know, and again, he, he's probably going to be the first pick in the draft, I would assume. If I was drafting, I'd take him first. <laughs> and I'd give him a month off and move him to the big leagues. But, again, he's so tough-minded and competitive, and, and I think this whole year has meant so much to him personally that he you would almost have to tell him, no, you can't have – I mean, somebody had to take the baseballs and go run and hide from him. Save him from and, himself. Uh, but, I, yeah, I mean, I just – I think he would be back in that game three. Somehow, some way, he would figure his way back in there. Uh, and I agree with you. I think for Florida to – achieve at this they've got to go out there with one of their best arms uh tomorrow and with a fresh bullpen and try to figure out how to score uh, you know off lsu because and and some of this might come down craig as you mentioned a minute ago what are the, what is the win condition because florida scores off of extra base hits mm-hmm. they do have an advantage over lsu and stolen bases i will say that um they have a you know i think they're like around 69 of 85 stolen bases where i think lsu may be in their 39s or 40s not very hot and that might could come into play but if the but they rely on the home run too and whatever that wind's doing if it's if it's cutting from downtown straight through center field towards home plate that's going to create some air traffic up there that you know maybe some of those homers that they were getting opposite field 
won't carry out to center field or to right center. Yeah, how about this, uh, Ty, looking at it? LSU this year, stolen bases, 30 of 40. That's it, 30 of 40. And they haven't needed to steal much, obviously, uh, but 30 or 40. So your point's well made there. Yeah. Uh, Ty Arrington, uh, now now you're getting – is Aaron drawing you into some service next week, what with Bucky uh, on vacation as well? He is. I'm going to go in uh, next week. I haven't quite decided which days I'm going to go in there, but um, I enjoy filling in for Bucky when he's on vacation. I understand listening to him this morning. He's got a birthday week yeah. coming his way, and uh, and so I am. I'm going to come in next week and, and enjoy it. I, I appreciate Aaron always invite me and you as well when I get a chance to come on there. And uh, I understand you're headed out on vacation, I think, next week. Well-deserved vacation, by the way. Thank you. And uh, and so I, I will. I'll look forward to to sitting in there next week and 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 being a part of seeing how this all unfolds uh, this weekend. And I'm just so excited, and I know you are too. But I am so excited for college baseball, Craig. I, I just I can't say it enough what this has done for the Texas fans. You're getting a look at the SEC, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you're getting an opportunity to see it firsthand what this looks like and, and, you know, what it's going to look like on Fridays and Saturdays and Sundays in, in March and, you know, in May and, and moving forward in the, you know, in Omaha out of the SEC and, and how exciting those weekends are going to be. I mean, I just, man, I, I, this is going to be incredible this weekend, but moving forward from a long-term perspective, when, when we do go to the SEC, it really is going to be, you know, epic and monumental almost every weekend. Yeah. It'll be uh, unreal and fun. We'll look forward to it. Hey, Ty, I appreciate the time. Thanks so much. Look forward to visiting with you uh, here coming up around the corner. Thanks so much for doing this. Craig, thank you, guys. Enjoyed it always. All right. That's Ty Harrington uh, and uh, certainly our, one of our college baseball inside. We're very blessed. We have we have several of those, uh, you know, between – Ty and Keith Moreland and Greg Swindell and you know that we're 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 very blessed uh, to have that so uh, amazing uh, story uh, with uh, LSU and Florida meeting for the national championship uh, we'll have our Longhorn notebook for this hour coming up next when we continue with Light the Tower on the Horn 1049 1019 AM 1260 live local and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Like the Tower with Craig Way and Jeff Howe. Our thanks again to Ty Harrington joining us to preview the National Championship Series and talk about this incredible College World Series. Uh, CMET Girl has, is asking, uh, any idea of what the SEC baseball scheduling will look like? Will the teams play every other team or just a portion like football? There has been nothing said about either the football, I mean, the baseball or the basketball schedules for 2024. Uh, baseball is is a is a pretty fluid thing on that. They they will wait on a lot of stuff before issuing that. Same thing with basketball because television is involved with that. Football 
it's a lot easier just to say, here are your fixed opponents, even though they don't have dates for those yet. I can tell you this, the Big 12 baseball schedule for next year is not official. It's it's not out yet. So, um, you know, they're still, they're still fixing up some things on that as well. So it's... Uh, it'll be interesting to see if they go to a 30-game conference schedule or a 27-game conference schedule, uh, how they how they work that, whether you're having a three-game weekend series or even four-game weekend series. So there's uh, there's some of that. Uh, oldest I reporter says, enjoy your well-deserved vacation. Thank you. I uh, appreciate that. <laughs> Somebody else said, how many songs will Bill Shoning write about Victor Wimbayana? A box set? <laughs> You know, I saw Bill's Facebook post about it. He said, hey, I get the feeling this might be a fun season for them. No doubt about it with uh, Wimbayana doing it. And somebody else asking, just got word on the retirement of Norm Hitzkis from the ticket in Dallas. Do you have any cool stories regarding Norm? I've known Norm a long time. Um, he His was, I think, the first interview I did uh, the morning after the Longhorns won the national championship. He was on the morning and asked me in football after the Rose Bowl whenever USC asked me to pop on, and I did. And he wanted to know how did I come up with the phrase uh, 35 years in the waiting, eight years in the building under Mac Brown. I said, in the moment, it's just whatever, because if I tried to think of stuff like that, it would be a mistake. So, yeah, just just in the moment. But uh, he he and I did work together on one thing, and it, and it was fun. As you know – Norm Hitzkus is a uh, an inveterate player of horses and knows the sport of kings uh, and the paramutual scene very very well. And so he used to do a show uh, on uh, on Fox Sports Southwest now Valley Sports Southwest about um, at Lone Star Park the track in Grand Prairie, and. Uh, they asked me to step in to kind of anchor at one time because whoever the regular host was wasn't, and he was he was always down in the paddock area and all that sort of stuff. So we 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 did do one show together, and he was like pulling out the racing forms. Craig's the number eight horse. You have to love him, you know. And he was going <laughs> on in that. So uh, we did work uh, that together, but we've known each other a long time. When I was in college, and he was doing a show on then HSE, the Forerunner, this late eighties. Oh, well, early 80s, uh, the, the forerunner of what is now Bally Sports Southwest and before that, you know, Fox Sports Southwest, Home Sports Entertainment, HSE. Wow. He did a show where he's just sitting in a studio and they did a trivia question. I'm in my house as a student in North Texas, and I called in alive and I won it, and they sent me a cap. And we joked about that years later. I was, I was a student in college at the time. So there's my coolest story that I could have regarding me personally with Norm Hitzkus. Time now for our Longhorn Notebook. Longhorn Notebook. Uh, Longhorn Notebook. We talked about you know a big, uh, big weekend for uh, Texas Longhorn football recruiting last weekend, and certainly that helped with uh, four-star Phoenix Arizona running back Christian Clark committing to Texas. Well, now this weekend you've got another huge recruiting weekend. Twenty-one top prospects coming in, and uh, that includes the Cyfair quarterback Trey Owens. Uh, he's a three-star. Then uh, running back, Jarek Gibson from IMG Academy, a four-star. Uh, and then um, uh, Terry Bussey is a, a tremendous all-around athlete uh, out of Timpson, out in East Texas. He is only, I think, the second junior in the history of Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine to win 
Mr. Texas football as a junior. Yeah. And uh, he's he's something else. I mean, he's, he's played quarterback. He'll play everywhere, all over the field there uh, for Timpson. Uh, Parker Livingstone, a wide receiver from Lucas Lovejoy on the offensive line. Daniel Cruz out of Richland. That's in the Metroplex. Uh, Makai Sina from uh, Arlington Martin. Daniel Calhoun uh, from Roswell, Georgia. Uh, Nate Kibble from Atascacita. As offensive line and defensive line, Dominic McKinley from Acadiana there in Lafayette, Louisiana. Uh, Terrence Hibbler from uh, Lexington, Mississippi. He has made a verbal commitment in Mississippi State, but he is going to visit. Uh, Alex January from Duncanville. Uh, T.J. Lindsey from IMG Academy. Uh, Jaden Jackson from Brownsburg, Indiana, out of Allen uh, uh, IMG Academy. But the, also the big other news, Colin Simmons, the edge rusher from Duncanville. So Who's a monster. He is. He is, and and uh, just watching him the last two years in the state championship yeah. game has been impressive. So anyway, that's those are just some of the names of the twenty one who will be visiting this weekend. All right, up next, inconceivable. Yeah, it's Florida. It's Friday, so there's some of that, but there's some other things as well. We'll get to when we continue with Light the Tower on the Horn 1049, AM twelve sixty live, local and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. Craig Way and Jeff Howe light the tower. Inconceivable. Inconceivable. Inconceivable! Inconceivable! You keep using the horn. I don't know think it means what you think it means. It is uh, inconceivable that I should leave out a couple of basketball notes out of the Longhorn Notebook. I didn't mean to do that, but did. Uh, even though the Longhorns had no players drafted the NBA draft last night, uh, two have signed with NBA clubs. Sir Jabari Rice signing with the uh, Spurs. Mm-hmm. And uh, Marcus Carr with um, the Phoenix Suns. Yeah. So... Congrats to those guys, and hopefully uh, they earn earn a spot on those teams. I'm glad they get they get the opportunity to do that. Got a fun little see Jabari Rice maybe at the HEB Center a couple yeah. times next year. Could be there in the G League, no doubt about it uh, on that. Um, okay, uh, to the inconceivable file itself, this being a Florida Friday, we've got a couple of Florida things that we'll, we'll get to. Uh, first of all, I do uh, – uh, we do pass along, and certainly our condolences – and uh, prayers and stuff, because we were following the story as so many were about the submersible there uh, to explore the Titanic. And obviously we got the news yesterday of what has been described as a catastrophic implosion that killed all five aboard. And it might even have happened on Sunday on the descent down uh, to the floor. So uh, however you feel about those types of missions and expeditions and all that other kind of stuff, uh, the the only thing that I I can feel is is certainly uh, empathy uh, for the families, and uh, and hopefully they'll be able to uh, move forward with that because it's a, a difficult time for all of them. Um, we we uh, something I just want to let you know. It's um, did you know that there is a uh, a a it's not an endangered species. But it's getting to a serious thing. Honeybees mm. are kind of becoming a. Um, the honeybee hives just went through their second highest death rate on record. 48% of colonies were lost in the year that ended April 1st. Um, Jeez. And, and uh, now, fortunately, the number in the United States colonies remained. They said relatively stable, but that was worldwide. The annual loss up from the previous year's loss of 39%. Why? Uh, well, it, they 
said that it has to do with a combination of parasites, pesticides, starvation, and climate change uh, causing it. Now, I will tell you this. the uh, Kelly Nassour, the wife of our proprietor, is an inveterate honey uh, beekeeper and cranks out some incredible uh, local honey. And remember when I was... Um, recommending to you for your throat. Yeah. That's what you need, some local honey in there with some herbal tea. Good stuff. We hope the honeybee population continues to uh, rebound after having a tough year, a tough go. She might be the savior, Craig. Maybe we need to get her overseas to uh, save the population. <laughs> save the population as well. Okay. Um, you watch the NBA draft. Yes. Uh, Got to ask you, what'd you make of Grady Dick's outfit? Uh uh, I I would not wear it. I would not wear it. Um, <laughs> it. It was for folks who did not see it. Uh, it was mainly the jacket and shirt that went collar high collar, very sparkly, uh, red sparkles, and uh, it was described um, by him as a Wizard of Oz motif. He said, "I'm from Kansas." Uh, you've got the Wizard of Oz with Dorothy and her red slippers. I kind of put that into the jacket. It was the jacket there, or the red ruby jacket. He's probably the first and last player to dress up as Dorothy in NBA draft night. <laughs> he I said, I'm just guess. being goofy in myself. People are going to think I'm crazy. But the yep. mentality was that I was going to wear this suit probably once in my entire life. So I might as well just go all out. So, yeah, wearing that at six feet, eight inches tall. Hey, he did secure a Instagram follow from Drake, the yeah. musical artist and part owner of the Toronto Raptors. So it worked out for him. I, I've heard it described a lot of different ways, that particular outfit. Uh, Ty Henderson, who will join us to do music survey, had a turn. I, I forgot what it was, but I'll ask him what, what, what he called it, the phraseology. Uh, to me, it looked like uh, part Liberace and yeah. then part European figure skater. Mm-hmm. Outfit. That's 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 the vibe I got from it. Maybe the the European figure skater thing was on that, but it was, uh, yeah, it was something else. Okay, uh, we do have two Florida stories. Um, one, this is just kind of creepy and gross, and it's kind of disgusting. But before, actually, we we actually have three Florida stories because Jeff Howe weighed in this morning yes. with a text. Day, as he says. Disney World Day 4 update. I mean, he's doing the full-on, the full Monty on Disney World. Apparently, you're the a-hole on the Kilimanjaro Safari if you audibly laugh when two zebras start getting after it. (laughs) (laughs) I can just see Jack just bursting in the laughter and seeing on the Kilimanjaro uh, Safari and two zebras get after it, and he starts laughing. Everybody gives him the, the dirty eye. look. Oh, trying yeah. to cover up their daughter's eyes. Don't yeah. look. So, for one day at least, Jeff becomes Florida man. Um, speaking of creatures in Florida, now this is just makes me just un- out and out uncomfortable. There are some neighborhoods in Broward County. That's Fort Lauderdale, mm-hmm. Broward County in Florida that have been under quarantine for a couple of days this week after sightings of invasive giant African land snails. Excuse me? Known to be one of the most dangerous species 
Um, the quarantine was announced on Tuesday after snails were detected earlier this month in the Miramar area of the county. Uh, essentially, the quarantine means it's illegal to move a giant African land snail or plants, which include soil, compost, yard waste, in or out of the area without a compliance agreement from the agricultural department. It's a department. big sucker. Yeah, and, and, and you say, okay, all right, so that's that's the deal. All right, I won't touch the snail and everything's fine and I'll just, that'll be that. But it's a little more than that. Um, here's the problem. These land snails eat at least 500 different types of plants. They can also chomp through stucco, plastic recycling bins, even signs, and their calcium shells bear pointy edges that are sharp enough to blow out tires what? of vehicles that run over them. If you run over, I'll just run it over. Blow out your tire. Not only that, they pose a health risk to humans because they carry a parasite called, just even the name of this parasite freaks me out, rat lungworm. Rat lungworm. It can cause meningitis. The condition leads to swelling of membranes surrounding the brain and the spinal cord. I don't like snails anyway, even though I've eaten escargot before, Uh, but... Giant African land snails down there in Florida. That's disgusting. It's just more my thing about the being worried about the animal kingdom taking over. Like uh, yeah. NBC News had the story about the millions and millions of crickets that have overrun Elko, Nevada. Yep. And they've had a hard time getting rid of those. And you're just driving on the road and you hear all the crunching and it's, uh. it's just gooey and it smells. So more of the other. Uh, all right. To clear the mind, we go back to your classic Florida man story. Here's the headline in Flagler County, Florida. It's further up the coast. Mm-hmm. Nearly naked Florida man arrested after multiple hit and run crashes. I love it already. That's that's Florida man in a nutshell, right? So to speak. Uh, he was wearing only socks and a small covering wrapped around his waist. Arrested <laughs> on Wednesday after multiple hit and run crashes. Flagler County Sheriff's Office said an SUV was speeding when it struck multiple cars and continued down the road. A Florida Fish and Wildlife officer tried to pull over the driver, identified as 22-year-old Stephen Peterson of Port Orange. He did not stop the car. The SUV then drove onto an elementary school property and drove around the running track before it got back on the road. He then drove into a landfill and into a wooded area between the landfill and I-95. Once deputies arrived, they set up a perimeter. They tracked the SUV via air. Deputies went up to the car and told him and his passenger, get out. They told him, get out several times. He was only wearing socks and a small covering around his waist. Here's the sheriff's statement. Quote, just when you think you've seen and heard everything, a (laughs) naked driver causes multiple hit-and-run crashes, flees from law enforcement, resists arrest, and then has to be dragged out naked from his car to be arrested. Not only did this man endanger lives on the road and his passenger, but he also could have placed innocent children at risk had them been playing on the running track. I'll leave it up to your imagination on what was going on inside the car. He faces multiple charges, including fleeing and looting, leaving the scene of a crash with damage to vehicle or property, resisting an officer without violence, and trespassing on school grounds. His passenger faces charges of trespassing on school grounds, marijuana possession, and possession of drug paraphernalia. That is Florida Man, in a nutshell, or covered up partially anyway. Yes. All right. Second hour coming up on The Horn.